we all sang that song together, I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. And how did you come to that conclusion? There was a book. And inside that book, it revealed the way to God, the ways of God. The truth about God, the life that God offers has been revealed. Apart from this, how would you find that out? I preached five sessions of Paul's letter to the Galatian church. Those sessions, that letter, reveals the way and the truth and the life. In fact, it's interesting to me, kind of curious to me once I got into the study personally, that the first session revealed there's no other gospel. Um, there's no other good news. This is it. <laughs> if this good news is not your good news, you don't have any good news. You got bad news. And the second session was this. There's one message. God's delivered one message. And that His Son, God sent His Son to rescue you from the coming darkness. And yes, the darkness is coming. And then the third session, and all I was doing just, just reading through the book of Galatians. And this becomes so evident. And then there's, there's no other gospel. There's one message and I must receive the message by faith. By faith. That's how, you, that's how you receive the message. You encounter the Word of God. You believe the Word of God. You receive the Word of God. You walk under the authority of the Word of God. It's called faith. It's not hearing about it. It's about believing it. And then that unfolded the next session. Session four was the promise that God came to Abraham some 4,000 years ago, he came to Abraham and he made a promise that I'm going to do something to you and through you and for you and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because I made you this promise. I made you a covenant. In other words, here's the way I like to look at it. I gave you my word and I don't lie. He gave his word to Abraham. He gave his word to you because quite frankly, you got a copy of the promise. And then session five last week is after you, after you hear the gospel, the message, and you receive it by faith, and you know about the promise, what do you do? You hold on. You hold on. You take hope. This is your prize. This is your treasure. This is our very great reward. What? By faith. I have received the promise of God. There's a core theme if you, if you go through, there's going to be eight sessions. If the Lord tarries, there's going to be eight sessions. And um, there's a core theme to this book of Galatians. You know what it is? Freedom. Every one of these points to freedom. And here's what freedom means. There's, what, six, seven billion people living on the earth uh, right now? And it doesn't matter what your social economic status is, what nation you live in, or what your condition is. You could not possibly be free if out in front of you is a grave and your name's on it, and on the other side of that grave is hell. You might think you're free, but you're a slave to sin and death. It's got you, and it won't let you go unless someone takes these chains off. Freedom is revealed in the book of Galatians, revealed in the whole Word of God. Freedom. 
Now, to understand where we're going today in this whole condition of Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, there was a great conflict between the Jewish law and the message of the gospel of grace. They, they were butting up against each other. And I hope today you'll understand how Paul remedies that conflict. The Jewish law was simply based upon salvation by works. I had to kind of do all this stuff and not do that stuff, and, and that made me right with God, at least temporarily, it kind of made me right with God, right? And every year they would offer a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur, and, and the, the priest would offer a sacrifice, and I'm okay for a year. And then here comes Paul preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and says, there's one big sacrifice that took place on Calvary, the blood of the Lamb. The all-sufficient cross of Christ. And all you got to do to get right with God now is believe. They're struggling. You know what? People still struggle today. Same thing. Paul's response to this conflict was in these five sermon series. It really, if I summarize, there's no other gospel. There's one message. You must receive the truth by faith. You must hold, hear about the promise, receive the promise, believe the promise, live under the promise. And then you hold on. And then you hold on. Today, we're going to focus on the Apostle Paul's Jewish history lesson. Some of you think, oh, no, history lesson. No, you want this history lesson. Because you're never going to understand any of this until you get this history lesson. In this section, Paul will reveal the history that God used to reveal our ultimate freedom through Christ. Session seven, two sons. Now, I want you to look at this picture because these two sons illustrate the foundation that we're going to get into today. One, the guy, this one here is dressed in a, a Jewish yarmulke, and this one is in an Arab attire, a, a Jew and an Arab. Two sons. Galatians 4.21. Here we go. Tell me, Paul says to the church, you who want to live under the law, under the Jewish law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons. <clears throat> the scriptures. Yeah, the, he puts this validity upon the scriptures. The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife, one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt. Please focus on the word. The child, the son born of the slave wife, was born of a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of what? God's promise. I'm going to get God's promise by my methodology. The human attempt to get the promise. But the son born of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. This is probably a good time to do a review of Abraham's children situation. Session two in this series deals with the story of Abraham, his faith, and his, the promise God gave to him. But to understand today's text, you need to, you're going to have to come to this understanding of Abraham's two sons, his two boys. Specifically, <clears throat> two children, specifically Ishmael, and Isaac. And as I go through here today, here's what I'm going to say a bunch of times. 
a man, a promise, two sons, and the law. Through this, a man, a promise, two sons, and the law, God's going to reveal his plan of salvation to the world. So if you're going to understand salvation, if you're going to understand how to be made right with God, you need this foundation. A man, a promise, two sons, and the law. Spiritually speaking, <clears throat> spiritually speaking, Abraham had two sons. One from a slave wife and the other from a free-born wife. The slave wife was an Egyptian woman. Her name is Hagar. The free-born wife was a woman named Sarah. A man, a promise, two sons, and the law. What I'm about to reveal to you is the foundation of God's plan to reveal salvation to the whole world. A way, a truth, a life will be revealed through this scene. <clears throat> the man was Abraham. And Abraham, you could say that Abraham was the first Jew. That's the easiest way to put it. There were no Jews before Abraham. In fact, they didn't call Abraham a Jew. Uh, that would have been too early to even get the word. It came from the word Judah, which would come later. So Abraham was the first Jew or the first Hebrew or the first Israelite or however you want to call the name. He was the beginning. The promise is what God gave to Abraham. So God selected a man and he was going to give that man a promise. Now, what's interesting is that this man, Abraham, was 75 years old when God calls him and when he announces this promise. And he's not living in Israel. He's not living in Canaan. He's not living in the promised land. He's living in Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. That's his address. So we have a man and we have a promise. Genesis 12.1. So I want to go back and look at Genesis and look at these children to see what God reveals because Paul's going to talk about it in Galatians. Genesis 12.1. The promise is about to be released from God. He's going to give Abraham his word. Galatians 12.1. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I, God, will make you, Abraham, into a what? Say it out loud. Great nation. God's going to do something. Here comes the promise. Abraham's not doing anything right now, right? He's listening. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And here it comes. All the families on earth. This is forever. This is from now on. All the families on the earth will be blessed through what I'm about to do to you. What I'm about to give you. What I'm about to reveal to you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth 
his livestock and all the people he had taken into the, his household in Haran. And he headed for where? Where's he going? He's going to the land of Canaan. Now, Canaan is the promised land in the future. It's only the promised land because of what God just told Abram, that I'm going to make a promise to you. So Abram, Abraham, leaves his homeland of Ur and follows God's instruction. A 75-year-old man named Abram, which will be Abraham, has just received the promise. A man, a promise, two sons, and the law. Abram took his wife Sarah and he moved from Ur to Canaan, the future land of Israel. What's interesting is it's not called Israel because Israel's name will come from one of Abram's grandsons that hasn't even been born yet, but it will be called the land of Israel. Jacob's name will be changed to Israel. This 75-year-old man has no children. Understand something. He's 75. He has no children. His wife Sarah is barren. Abraham had a wife and a promise. He's got two things. He's got a wife and a promise. But up to this point, the promise was about a great nation, a future nation, families upon the earth. God's made a promise. Abraham did what only Abraham could do. He believed God and moved to Canaan. God has just told him, you're going to Canaan. So Abraham does the one thing in this scene that he has the power to do. He believed God. He heard God. He believed God. He received the message of God, and he followed the instruction of the message of God. He's moving from Ur to Canaan. Now, quite a few years go by, and Abraham and Sarah aren't getting any younger. He started this journey at 75. He's not getting any younger when God again comes to him with an expansion of the original promise. Genesis 15, verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord appeared to Abram in a vision and said to him, don't be afraid. Now, I got to tell you, I love it when God says that. You know when he usually says that? When you're afraid. Don't be afraid, for I will protect you, and your reward is going to be very great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer from Damascus, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household. Abraham has a servant. He's obviously close to this servant. He's treated him like a son, like a son he doesn't have. And since, Lord, you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, my servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Now, what's the context of this? He's already gotten a promise. And the promise is, I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to bless the whole world because of what I'm about to do to you. But time's gone by, and Abram doesn't have a son. So Abram knew that the promises of God will require an heir, a son. But he didn't have one. 
But he knew that the promise that God made him, the promise that made him pick up his family and move to Canaan, he knew that inside that promise was what? You're going to have children, 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 children follow you all over the earth in the future. But I don't even have one. And you got to have one to get started. I don't have one. It's in this moment that Abram tries to fulfill God's promise through the way of man. Everybody listen to me. It is in this moment that a tragedy occurs in Abram's life. He's starting to think about how he is going to fulfill God's promise. He, a man, is going to fulfill God's promise. So, Lord, I don't have any children. Lord, I need an heir. Lord, how can I bless all the people of the nations of the world in the future if I don't have an heir? So I'll just pick one. I'll do your job. I'd have had a child by now, but I don't. So I'll do your job. I'll appoint Eliezer to be my heir. Abraham is willing to declare his servant as his heir. This is really important. Will the promise of God to Abraham be fulfilled by the will of man? No. Are you listening? Because this is foundational. Will the promise of God through Abraham be fulfilled by the will or the ways of man, by Abraham's real clever idea, Eliezer, you're the one. No. Verse 4, let's keep going. And then the Lord said to Abram, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside. I love this part. He takes him outside of his tent, and he said, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Now, I wonder if at that point that the Lord gave Abram a little bit of time. Say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> Abraham's already come to the conclusion, I'm too old. Sarah's too old. This ain't happening. So, Eliezer, you're the one. God says, no, no, you're going to have a son. You, you're going to have a son. I'm going to do this. I made a promise. I gave you my word. Go outside and I want you to look up and count stars because that's how many children are going to come out of your life. Put yourself in that situation. Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed God. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Scripture. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Do you understand what that verse means? God is displaying the future way that people will be made right with him. Faith. You see, Abram encountered the promise of God. That I, you're going to have so many, you're going to have a son. You, you and Sarah are going to have a son. And, and it's unbelievable that we're going to have a son. It's unbelievable. It's not logical. It's not physically possible. And yet, Abram believed the Lord. And don't read over the next part. You see, this is why it's so important. How can you be made right with God? How can, how can you and I be made right with God? It's by faith. What, what does faith look like? It says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him or counted him as righteous. So it's like this accounting thing. Abram and us, we begin our life unrighteous, 
were counted as the unrighteous. So how do I get from unrighteous to righteous, from wrong to right, from lost to saved? Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, what got him moved from unrighteous to righteous? He believed God. What did he believe? In the existence of God? No, he believed specifically in the promise of God, specifically in the word of God that he had encountered from God. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. You, you and Sarah are going to have a son. In fact, if you understand something, it will be impossible for man to fulfill the promise. Are you with me? Abram and Sarah can't do it. They have no power to do it. He believed God will do it. Abram and Sarah are too old. Abraham did the only thing that Abram could do in that moment regarding the promise. Are you with me? I believe you can. I believe that you are able to do this. Abram believed God. Abram reconciled himself to the fact that I can't, Sarah can't, you can't. And it was credited to him as righteousness. It moved him from unrighteous to righteous because he simply heard a word from God. He received, believed the word of God. He received the word of God. And he moved forward under that word. It's called faith. It's called faith. You see, Abram understood that something was going to happen that he couldn't do. That if God doesn't show up, this isn't going to work. Because there's nothing inside my power, inside Sarah's power, to accomplish this. I can't do it. But you can. And, and it's not that I've made this thing up. Abraham didn't come up with this plan, did he? God came up with the plan, revealed it to Abraham. Abraham believed it, received it, and obeyed it. He was going to have children like the number of stars in the sky. But the problem, he's an old dude, and he's married to an old dudette. And there's a problem. I can't, so I've got to believe that you can, right? It's called faith. Now, stay with me, because I'm laying out, Paul's laying out the foundation of faith that makes you right with God today. In this moment, Abraham's response becomes the foundation of our faith today. And the foundation of the teachings of Paul to the church in Galatia 2,000 years after Abraham. Do you, do you understand? That's 2,000 years from Abraham to the church. All the future nations of the earth are going to be a part of this blessed promise of God that God makes to Abraham. A man, the promise, two sons, and the law. It's all going to reveal God's salvation plan to mankind. So, let's go back to the story. More time goes by. He's already gone out and looked at the stars and said, Whoo! Now more time goes by, and guess what? She's not pregnant. She's not pregnant. But you said she's not pregnant. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Now he's even older. Can man or man's way or woman's way fulfill this promise of God to bless the whole world? This is beyond 
imagination. This is beyond anybody's power, any human power, right? God, if you don't show up, this can't happen. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. The Lord has prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant. Are you listening? Sarah said, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed to Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram. And I want you to notice, don't read through this. She gave her to Abram as a wife. So Abram's taken a second wife. And he's doing it under the instruction of his first wife, that I want you to take a second wife. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to mistreat her mistress, mistreat Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abram, are you ready for this? The guys will get it, the women won't. Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. Actually, it is his fault. You could say no. I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. I don't think marriage counseling is going to fix this one. Man's way will never accomplish God's promise. What's happened so far? It originates with the promise. And the promise is you're going to have so many kids you won't be able to count them. Well, he didn't have any children, so he says, well, I'll introduce my clever idea into this promise. Eliezer, you're the one. God said, no. It's got to be my way. So here comes Sarah. Well, we still don't have any children, but God promised, so let's do it our way. Eliezer didn't work, so let's, okay, let's try Hagar. Let, let, let man figure out a way to get the promise. Let man in his own ingenuity, his own creativity, his own hard work, his own big idea, let's, let's find the promise through Hagar. Do you see? Can the way of man, the methods of man, accomplish the plan of God to redeem a lost world? No! It doesn't work. God's got a way, a truth, and a life. And you must do it His way, through His truth, to get the life. You can't find another way to get the promise. Eliezer's not another way. Hagar's not another way. A man, the promise, two sons, and the law. Stay with me. Hagar gets pregnant. Hagar 
has a son. Abraham has his first son, but this first son represents what? Listen to me. This first son represents the way of man. The way that we think we can get the promise of God without doing it God's way. You with me? If you think I'm making it up, wait till I go back to Galatians. Ishmael is born. He represents human effort. He represents our human effort to accomplish God's promise. It doesn't work. Ishmael is what happens when you take matters into your own hands. Ishmael is what happens when you seek God's will your way instead of seeking God's will God's way. Because God's already planned his way. Ishmael would go on to be the father of the Arab people, many of which are still the enemies of Israel today. I read just this weekend, I think it was just two days ago, that uh, uh, Joel Rosenberg tweeted from Israel that everybody had gone into their shelters because there were rockets coming over from Gaza. The Palestinians, the Arabs, all who find their origins in Ishmael are shooting rockets over into Israel trying to kill people. Still going on today. Ishmael is what happens when you try to find God's promise your way. This is how God describes this son, Ishmael, born by the will of man. Listen to God's explanation. God is talking to Hagar after she's had this baby. Genesis 16, 12. This son of yours will be a wild man. And un, as untamed as a wild donkey. Everybody would like to get that card right after you get your kid at the hospital. Right? You, get, you open the card, congratulations, he's a wild donkey. <laughs> he will raise his fist against everyone. And everyone will be against him. Are you listening? Who's saying this? God! You're trying to find the promise by your methodology. You're trying to find the promise, take hold of the promise by your ideas. Eleazar, Hagar, doesn't work. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Did this happen? It's still happening. We have 4,000 years of human history to evaluate the results of man's way. How's this one working out? Not very well. Why am I reading all this Old Testament Abraham stuff today? And here's why. You will never understand the book of Galatians. You'll never understand the New Testament until you understand this story's origin. A man, the promise, two sons, and the law. Something amazing happens next. Now, I'm going to tell you, this one blows my mind. Something absolutely amazing happens next in this story of Abraham and Sarah. God is going to change their names. Now, I've been using the names synonymously so far just to keep things simple. But understand, when this whole story begins, Abraham's name is not Abraham, it's Abram. And when the story begins, Sarah's name is not Sarah, it's Sarai. Totally different word. 
and something supernatural is about to take place. And you know what? I read this for years, but it never hit me until recently. It's almost like they're born again and they get new identities. It's almost like this idea that you all have tried it your own way, this whole Eliezer thing, this whole Hagar thing, and y'all are, all you're making is a mess. So I'm going to give you a new identity. It's like you're born again with a new identity. I'm going to change your name so, I, so now, now I can rewrite the story. It's like you're a new character in the story. So Sarah is going to become Sarah, and Abram's going to become Abraham. And now, now that they've got new names, they've got new identities, once more the Lord appears to Abraham. He comes with a question, and I want you to specifically understand the context. The Lord's going to appear to Abram, and I want you to understand what's going on in the world at that time. God is coming to see if he can find ten righteous people in Sodom. And if he can find ten, he just needs, he just needs ten. And if he can find ten righteous people in Sodom, he'll withhold his judgment. But he can't find ten. It's in that scene that the Lord appears to Abram the next time. And he comes with a question. Genesis 18 now. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitor asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, here it comes. I will return to you about this time next year. And your wife, Sarah, will have a son. You know, they've been waiting for this a long time. And now this angel has just announced to Abram, and by the way, Sarah, the walls are really thin in those tents. She's heard it. What, what heard what? I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. It's not maybe. And it's not whether or not it's going to be a boy or girl. This is going to happen. This is supernatural. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So Sarah did something. She laughed silently. You would too. Quit acting so righteous. She laughed silently, like, yeah. They've been waiting a long time, right? She laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? You're so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will. He does, and then he says it again. I will. Do you understand it? Don't, don't put God in this position. I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. A man, the promise to sons in the law. God is revealing salvation to the whole world. Would you laugh at this story? Let me put it another way. Will you do it God's way or your way? 
because God has made a promise to the world. I'm reading to you today that there was a man, there was a promise, there was two sons, and there's a law. Is that the way that you now see God has revealed His way to salvation? Or do you, or you think there's another way? You, you, you've got another idea how to do it now? Let me put it more specifically. Would you laugh at the idea that 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, there was a man that they put on a tree outside of Jerusalem's gates. And that man on that tree, God put all of your sins on top of him. Put him in the grave as a payment for your sins today so that you might receive the promise God gave to Abraham. Would you laugh at that? Because the reality is people all over the world laugh at that. Because it seems impossible. Why? Because you didn't have anything to do with it. He did all that for you, were even born. He'd already paid your debt off before you were born. And you know what God expects of you and me? We believe Him. That can't be all there is, preacher. Yeah, it is. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he became God's friend. He received the promise. Would you laugh at that idea? You see, like Abraham, at some point in your life, you have to come to this conclusion. The only thing I truly have the power to do is believe him or not. See, I can't stop the grave. I'm going to be 63 this month. I'm going to be 63 this month. And I know that, you know what, I, I'm, if there's four quarters in life, I'm getting toward the end of the fourth quarter. Some of y'all... I don't even know you're in overtime. <laughs> I get it. You know, I get it. And I can't do anything about it. I can't. There's no power. It's like, it's like being 100 years old and you're going to have a child. No, I can't. It's like being 63 and saying I've got eternal life. No, I can't. But he can do you understand? I can't stop the grave. I don't know when it's coming, but I can't stop it. I don't know how to get to heaven. Do you know how to get to heaven? He does. But there's this idea that somehow or another I've got this clever substitute for God's will, God's way. No, you don't. Neither do I. Abram believed God. And how in the world would you have any clue without this. And you know what I'm watching? Listen, there's people in this room. I'm talking to you. There's people in this room. You're still not even buying in on that, that this is God's Word. You're not buying into it. You know, maybe I'll take, well, I'll take John 3, 16, because it's pretty handy. God has revealed the plan of salvation. And apart from this, you have no way to stop the grave. You have no way to get to heaven. If there is a heaven. Like Abram, the only thing we can do, only thing I can do is encounter the Word. He did that by grace. I have no entitlement for Him showing me the Word. And I have no entitlement for Him giving me the Holy Spirit so I can understand the Word. But he, he exposed me to the Word. I believed the Word. I received the Word. And now by His strength, 
I'm going to live under the authority of that word while I'm waiting for his son to come back and get me. So Sarah has a son at the age of 90. Whew. Abraham's 100. Man can't do this. But God can. Ishmael is man's attempt to do it man's way. Are you with me? And don't look at Ishmael. Look at you. Look at us. Ishmael is man's attempt to do it his way. Isaac is the fulfillment of God's ultimate plan. God's will, God's way. Now, now, now we can go back to Galatians and understand it. A man, the promise, two sons, and the law. Here we go, Galatians 4.21. All that so I can read Galatians. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife, one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt. Are you listening? The son of the slave wife, Ishmael, was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born of God's own fulfillment, God's power. God's own fulfillment of His promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents what? Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live, how? In slavery to the law. You remember what I said? You ought to by now. A man, the promise, two sons, and the law. Do you see it? Hagar is a spiritual picture of the law of Moses given on Mount Sinai. That law actually made people slaves because that law left them depending upon their human effort, and human effort was insufficient to accomplish the goal of the law, to be made right with God. That law only held back God's judgment. It couldn't make you right with God permanently. Your human effort kept failing. Your human effort kept failing. Your human effort kept failing. Every year on the Day of Atonement, a priest had to come in and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. The law revealed our way won't work. None of us can make it. We don't have the power. Hagar represents that scene. Paul also said that present Jerusalem and that would have been the people living uh, in, in Jerusalem during the time of this writing. They're going to the temple and they're making animal sacrifices. The present Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai because these people are trying to be made right with God by following the law of Moses. And quite frankly, none of them can do it. Why? Because there were some 613 rules. And if you broke one, guess what? You broke them all. That is the picture of Hagar. It won't work. In other words, here's the deal. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it with Eliezer. You can't do it with Hagar. You can't do it. But there was another woman named Sarah. Somebody say hallelujah. And I haven't even read it yet. Come on, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 26. But the other woman, Sarah, represents heavenly Jerusalem. 
Not Mount Sinai. Mm -mm, mm -mm. She is a free woman. Do you see? And she is our mother. She's free. Notice she's free. Galatians reveals the ultimate freedom. Why is she the free woman? She is the way of the promise. It's when God does what God alone can do. He redeems us. Sarah is a spiritual picture of heavenly Jerusalem, not earthly Jerusalem where people use man's way to find their place with God. Sarah is a picture of freedom, peace with God. How? Peace with God, being made right with God. How? How? By faith. By the way of God, faith. Not by our feeble attempts that we do as man. Sarah is the mother of those who will believe in God's way. A man, the promise, two sons, and the law are all the more I study Galatians, the more I come to the simple conclusion. The only thing I actually have any power to do is believe or not believe. The only thing you really have any power to do is to believe or not. And I'm looking at the room, and I don't know your heart, and I'm glad I don't know your heart. But in this room, there's both people. There are people in here who really believe. And there are people in here who are faking it. And I can't tell, and I'm happy about that, but I can tell you, the only one you're faking is you. Because nobody's faking God. Do you believe? See, all we really have the power to do in this whole promise of eternal life thing is I believe. And by believing, God releases his supernatural power to redeem me. I can't redeem me. I can't stop the grave. And let me take it a step further. If you really believe this stuff, if you really believe you're a child of the promise and set free from sin and death, would you be afraid to die? If you believe that if you died and you went in the ground, you would just resurrect. And if they bury you, you as, soon as, as soon as your heart quits beating, an angel's going to come take me to Abraham's side. They might put my body in the ground, but one day on the last trumpet that he's going to bring my soul back and they're going to raise my body up from the ground. He's going to put my soul in a brand new body and I'm going to go and be with the Lord forevermore. What's the problem? What's the problem? Why are you afraid? Or if you really believe this stuff, would there ever be a place where you would not say the name Jesus? Would there ever be a place when you wouldn't tell somebody about the cure to death? Because this is the cure to death itself. Would there ever be an application? Do you understand? Do, do, are you sure you believe? Would there ever be an application where you wouldn't say, where you wouldn't declare that Jesus Christ is Lord? It's called faith. Heavenly Jerusalem is a picture of God's will, God's way. And notice the result of all this. Next verse, next verse. Here's the result. Verse 27, as Isaiah said, now Paul's quoting 750 years before Isaiah, 
Isaiah says, rejoice, O childless woman. And that's who? That's Sarah. Rejoice, O childless woman, Sarah. You who have never given birth, break into a joyful shout. You who have never been in labor, Sarah, for the desolate woman, Sarah, now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, Hagar. Now you got more than she did. Why? By your power? No, 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 because God's doing this. A man, the promised two sons and the law. So here comes the question, how can we today, right now, receive the promise of God? This would all be meaningless if I didn't get to this part. How can we today, right now in this room, receive the promises of God? These two sons show us the right way and the wrong way. The right way and the wrong way. In Proverbs 14, 12, here's the danger. There is a path, there is a way before each person that seems right. It's the path of our natural mind, our natural intellect, our natural self. There is a way in front of us that seems right. It seems like Eliezer is a good idea. It seems like Hagar is a reasonable alternative. There's a way in front of us that seems right, but it leads only to death. Because it's your way. It leads only to death. The way of man, the natural ways of man will never find salvation. Your will, your way will never find heaven. All right, comes the hard part. You ready? Your will, your way will never find heaven. You'll have to die. It's all so compelling until you get here. You'll have to die to yourself. You'll have to deny yourself. That's not so easy. You see, spiritual death to self is spiritual death to your way by receiving God's way. Jesus says, you'll have to deny yourself and take up a cross to follow me. What do you think that means? You're going to die to yourself. Your, your way will never walk toward God. You'll think you're walking toward God, but you'll be walking toward God your way. You'll be using Eliezer's and Hagar's. You'll be, you'll be coming up with your own way. And he says, no, you've, you've got to be willing to lay your life down. You've got to be willing to turn this thing loose. You've got to be willing to say everything, everything. I don't, I don't bring part of me to the altar. I bring all of me to the altar. I die so that I might live. Would you be willing to do that? Remember, God changed their names. That part just blew my mind. God changed their names. He gave them new identities. It's like being born again. The old person died. The new person comes. I can rewrite your story now. Now it would be my plan, not yours. The Eliezer's and the Hagar's, all they do is mess up stuff. But he gave them new names. Do you want to be one of those stars in the sky outside Abraham's tent? <laughs> Abraham goes outside his tent and he says, the Lord, Lord says, Abraham, look up. That's in many children. Those are the future children of Abraham that will come through Sarah. They're not coming through Hagar. Listen, they're not coming through Hagar. Hagar's children are man's way. It won't work. You're not one of those stars in the sky. Do you today want to be one of those stars in the sky outside Abraham's tent? 
You're not going to be a star. I'm just talking about you're going to be a person in that list. Somebody will misquote me and say, he said we could be stars. No, you're not going to be a star. By faith. By faith. Which means you don't believe some of this, you believe all of it. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He, because, he was called God's friend. He was made right with God by faith. It's the only way you can do it. It's the only way I can do it. It's the only way he could do it. By faith. The only thing we really have the power to do, if you really melt it all down, is I can believe or not believe. And if you live by faith, these next verses are talking about you. And if you today live by faith, if, if you are a man or a woman of faith, these next verses are you. You are a very rich child waiting for your inheritance. And yes, the inheritance, I wish I didn't have to say it, but I've got to do the truth. And yes, the inheritance is on the other side of suffering, which means between now and the time you receive the inheritance, there will be opposition, there will be suffering, there will be hardship, it won't come easy. The cross of suffering will actually test your faith. It'll refine your faith. It'll prove your faith genuine or you're a faker. But it will be hard. This is not the prosperity gospel. That's man's way to God. Is this you? Galatians 4.28. Here we go. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise. Just like Isaac. Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law just like, just as Ishmael, the child born of how? His human effort persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. The children of the promise are being persecuted. Do you see? It's that way then, it's that way now. The children born of human effort versus the children born of the Holy Spirit, the flesh or the Spirit. They live in hostility. Why? Because there are only two spirits. There's the holy and the unholy. There's two fathers, Abba or Satan. What's at stake here today? Let me wrap it up. What's at stake here? Everything. The promises of God. The inheritance as the children of God. The ability for me and you to be able to call him Abba, Daddy. Because Jesus has become your brother. That's at stake. The only thing you have power to do is believe it or not. Do you believe this? Verse 30. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son. Are you listening? I can tell you how it'll end. Get rid of the slave woman, Hagar, and her son, Ishmael. Now, I need to say something before I go on. That does not mean that all Arabs are doomed to hell. Those Arabs can call upon the name of the Lord just like me, just like you. In fact, they are. Many of them. I told you about this revival that's taking place in the Middle East. These, many of these Arabs are waking up in the middle of the night in these dreams where Jesus Messiah is revealing himself to them, which makes me more, even more confirming that the return of Christ is near. 
Those Arabs represent Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. And Gentiles have been made a way to receive Christ and be adopted into the family of Abraham through Jesus Messiah. So when I say this, I want you to understand, that does not mean that they have no choice. I'm going to start over, verse 30. What do the Scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. They are lost. They won't get the promise. They're on the outside. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We, don't, we didn't come by Hagar, by trying to do this thing my way. We are children of the free woman. Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus. Do you think that's unfair? Do you think it's unfair that the children of the slave woman are lost? They're not going to share in the inheritance. They don't get any of the promise of Abraham. If that, if that for a moment goes into your mind, you're still trying to figure out how to get God's promise your way. It won't work. This is what true freedom looks like. But it only comes God's way by faith. Two sons. The story of man can be illustrated by two sons. Ishmael and Isaac. Today I'm going to ask all of you this question. Are you a child of the slave woman or a child of the free woman? Which child are you? Which one? Are you a child of the promise, which is the way of God called faith? Or are you a child of the slave woman? You're still trying to do it your way. A man, the promise, two sons, and the law. They all lead to the same place. They all lead to one name, one way, one truth, one life, one Savior, one Redeemer, one Lord, one King, one Master. His name is Jesus Christ. One more time. Let's read this urgent question from the Apostle Paul. And before I read it, I want to tell you, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you today, you are a child of the promise. If you're in this room and you do not have the Holy Spirit inside of you today, you are at present lost. There's no middle. Galatians 3, 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? No. Of course not. It's because you believe the message. Here it is. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Do you believe it? All of it? All of it? Are you sure? Do you have another way to receive the Holy Spirit in your life? Can you stop the grave? Can you stop death? Can you stop hell? Can you stop sin? Can you stop any of this? Do you have the power? You don't. Do you have another way to receive this miracle of God to save your soul today? Let me put it all together. And let's see if this is you right now. Is this you? Verse 5. 
I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. And the only thing Abraham had the power to do was, guess what? Believe. And the only thing you have the power to do is to believe. You didn't get the Holy Spirit. You won't get the Holy Spirit because you did this or didn't do that. You'll get the Holy Spirit because you heard the message of Christ and you believed it was true. And you were willing to deny yourself, take up a cross and follow him. And you were willing to lay your life down because you know you can't save your life. You can't save your life. Any more than Abraham at 100 could have a baby. But he can by faith. So we're going to do something. We're going to sing a song. We're going to open up an invitation. And I'm going to tell you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, there's only one answer, and it's yes, Lord. And you respond immediately, and you respond completely. I don't know what the Holy Spirit will say to you today, but if He's speaking, do not turn away from Him. Father, would you do what only you can do today? Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts. Move among us. Let the wind blow. Let the fire burn. In Jesus' name. And amen. Let's stand together.